Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. Uh, no, you're not in the Twilight Zone. I'm just kidding around, but welcome to the Ball City Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Sexton, and I'm delighted that Megan Stith is on board with us today, and along with our guest, Auburn Curry. And that was a shout out to Dax Shepard. Uh, Dax relapsed on pills that were prescribed to him while recovering from injury. And I listen to Armchair Expert Podcast weekly, and I've grown to be a, a, an admirer of Dax Shepard's honesty and the conversations that they have on that show. So that's why I wanted to give Dax a shout out. Um, after many years of working hard on his sobriety, he had a relapse, and uh, he was honest with himself, and he was honest with his family, and he was honest with his community and his listeners. So we here at Boss Lady Coaching wish you the very best on his sobriety journey. And if you're watching or listening right now, uh, we appreciate that you're part of the show and part of the honesty and integrity that is being a boss lady and being uh, one of those men who love us. So so now we welcome Auburn Curry. Auburn is a mother, a wife. She's a funny lady. She cracks me up um, on, <laughs> on her TikTok. She's a fitness instructor and a momcologist and a whole lot more. So anyway, um, Auburn, tell us about your TikTok. My TikTok handle is um, at Auburn Tiger, but without the E. So it's A-U-B-U-R-N-T-I-G-R. Um, I started it just, you know, when COVID locked down everything, uh, I was at home and I did what a lot of people our age do is we we got on TikTok. We took over TikTok. I really think that the, that the older people took over TikTok and made it even more fun than it was before it's not just for teenagers and i had a lot of fun i was inspired by a lot of different and it's it's such a fun thing to learn it was an escape my kids got in on it my dog is in on it you know <laughs> it, it is so much fun and that's how i deal with a lot um of nervousness and everything you'll hear me a lot i'm going to laugh a lot because i'm really nervous right now <laughs> and that's just how i deal with it i make people laugh being able to, to laugh helps me so I try to spread that around. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we know that that impacts women and men greatly and also their families. But we're also coming off of September and for Child Cancer Awareness. Mm -hmm. Childhood Cancer Awareness Month is every September. Um, and it really is an opportunity to show that what many people don't know is childhood cancer, it is not rare. It affects one in 245 kids. And it is the number one disease killer of children in the world period um and what not just the awareness that it that it is so common but trying to get more funding for research my son's protocol all of his cancer medicines that he's been on are over 30 years old there have only been i believe two new medicines specifically for children and the majority of them that we've used are over 30 years old they were originally adult chemos that failed in adults. It's just really important to understand that with the cancer research, majority of it comes from private charities because the federal government, what they allot for cancer research, less than 4% goes to children. Only 3.6% goes to children. And that's, that's just unacceptable because in the grand scheme of things, we know that adult cancers you need you need cures for everything i'm not putting 
childhood cancer above adult cancers at all. So please don't think, don't come for me. Um, <laughs> but these kids have to live the rest of their lives. When you're an adult and you get cancer, you only have a certain number of years to live. Over 95% of children that have are diagnosed with cancer will have some sort of secondary side effect, heart disease, liver disease, something that is contributed not just from the cancer itself, but from the treatment. So how did cancer first come into your life? How were you introduced to it? What was your initial reaction? Vincent was actually diagnosed on November 9th of 2018. Um, before that, you know, no one in my family had cancer. My Actually, my grandmother, who I died when I was three, she actually died from breast cancer. Um, but I was too young to really know her. Other than that, um, a really good friend of mine, her son was diagnosed with neuroblastoma. She lives in Louisiana. And that was about 10 years ago. That was my first like upfront with childhood cancer. And she was actually the first person that I called when we had, we got the phone call that we needed to go to Norton's Children's for um, oncology. Um, Cause I was like, what do I do? Like, how do you even begin to process this? So she was the first person that I called because um, she had been through it. She was the only person that I knew that went through it. And I thought just like a lot of other people that it was rare. You know, I grew up watching the, you know, the St. Jude's commercials on TV. And I was just like, there's no way you don't think it can happen to your child. You really don't. And, and then you're in it and you just feel completely lost. Well, Auburn, I so appreciate your willingness to share your experience and hope that maybe somebody who's listening, you know, heaven forbid if they find themselves in this position one day, uh, maybe hearing your story, being that person that you had that had been through it and could inspire you through this journey. Um, hopefully we can provide that hope should anyone uh, coming across this recording hear your story in the future. But I'd love to hear your experience with treatment plans. And, and I've got a couple of questions related to that. But, uh, maybe just starting with, you know, were you in a position to help develop a treatment plan? Or how did you make these decisions on how best to attack cancer? My son was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and it's T-cell. There are many different types of leukemias. B-cell leukemia is the most common, um, followed by T-cell. Um, so he has the second most common type of cancer. Thankfully, thankfully, his oncologist is one of the chief of oncologies through the um, the cancer the cancer organization. Um, so they have, depending on your risk level, um, you're put into a risk category, and that determines what protocol you follow. Um, Vincent is on a uh, it's about a three and a half year uh, protocol, and the first ten months or so is the hardest. That's when they try to attack it, they try to kill it, get it gone. And then your maintenance, which is what the rest of it is, will keep it hopefully from coming back. <laughs> that, that, that's the end, end goal there. Um, you really don't have too much of a say in it, to be honest. You're told, okay, he is high risk. Um, he was considered high risk because before he was diagnosed, he was given steroids. It took us almost a month from the time he started showing symptoms to get that diagnosis because his pediatricians, you never jump straight to cancer. You're always like, oh no, he tests positive for mono. Oh no, he's got strep. He started off, he had this huge um, uh, lump on his neck, which turned out to be an enlarged uh, lymph node, which his pediatrician at the time was just like, oh, that happens with mono. That happens with strep. No big deal. 
And it just progressed from there from where he stopped eating and everything till we got to the point where they actually did blood work. And his pediatrician called me and said, this is above my pay grade. Those were her exact words. She's like, this was above my pay grade and we need to get you over to uh, oncologist at Norton's Children's. And then it also just depends on how much um, cancer cells are in your bone marrow. They kind of risk it that way. So he was put as high risk and he was put on a specific protocol. It was a newer protocol, um, but it still had all of the same drugs, it just in different amounts. So as far as getting to choose, no, you're just kind of told this is what's going to happen and, and you, you just follow it. The oncologist who diagnosed him actually came in and sat with me for over an hour in the hospital explaining every drug that he's probably going to get everything that's going to happen. And I am just forever grateful. I think that if I could give anybody advice is talk to your doctors, talk to the oncologist, talk to them, make them explain it to you, make them explain it to you. I didn't have to make anybody explain it to me. He took it upon himself because he knows that this is a super scary time. And my mind was just mush. But at that point I wanted to absorb everything that I could to, to, to make sure that I understood exactly what was going to happen because my son is, he was 12 at the time. And so he was involved in it as well. And he had questions. So I wanted to be able to ask, answer his questions before I had to go, well, let me talk to the doctor and find out. Cause I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure your confidence helped him have confidence. What did you learn about yourself and your community? I was the branch manager of a finance company at the time when my son was diagnosed. Um, I went on FMLA, uh, the 12 weeks that they give you. Um, unfortunately, due to the length of, of the treatment, there was no way for me to continue working. And that is the case with most people whose children have cancer. I was unable to continue to work. Um, and this particular business just didn't really care, to be honest with you. I got a phone, a phone call, a cold phone call from somebody at HR saying, Hey, your FMLA expires in a couple of days. Are you coming back? I'm like, well, I really can't right now. You know, I would love to, I loved my job. Absolutely loved it. But I told him, I was like, I can't right now unless I can work remotely or something like that. Oh no, you are terminated effective uh, midnight tonight and all of your benefits fire at midnight. That in itself, not the fact that I was let go, but the fact that she threw in there, your benefits expire at midnight, knowing the reason why I was out was that my son had cancer. Him having to go to chemo the next day, I walked in there. I was like, they told me I don't have insurance anymore. I don't, I don't know what to do. I broke down. I was like, what do I do? And thankfully, again, they were there. The social workers at the hospital and, and, and the clinic were there. And they said, here, we have an emergency Medicaid application. That, to fill out and we got an approval like later that day because at the time I wasn't married yet uh, you know my husband was just my boyfriend um, who was there for me through all of it I think that my job handled it incorrectly but now I'm able since um, Vincent's in maintenance I am able to work again I work uh, for Vision Works now and they are absolutely amazing I got some new glasses I love your glasses by the way uh, Holly <laughs> And they are absolutely wonderful with letting me take off for when I need to take Vincent for chemo and everything. And I'm very grateful 
um, to them. Well, and I'm so sorry to hear you didn't have the supportive experience that I would think employees deserve um, from what you were going through and just the way that that was handled. And I think it, it begs the question, how can people be supportive in the best way possible based on your experience if they know someone who's going through this, whether it's a coworker or a friend? Um, how can we help be good allies and supporters? Definitely reach out reach out, send a message. Hey, I'm here if you need me, but also just do, just do something. My friends are the most amazing group of women that, that I know. And when this happens to me, I'm going to get, Ooh, I'm gonna get upset. Um, they just surrounded me with love and, 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 and care. Um, a friend of mine, um, she came over and she dropped off just a basket of stuff to not just take care of Vincent, but to take care of me. Because she says, you you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to take care of yourself too. And she ha gave me books and, 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 and bath bombs and, and just all kinds of stuff just for me to be able to breathe basically through all of it. And I had another friend, she just, she knew that even though Vincent wasn't eating, that we all had to eat. And she just came over one day and she dropped off um, food for us. It was, it was a nice thing to have to where I don't have to worry about fixing something um, because my son does have a younger brother. He's got a stepbrother, you know, and they tend to get forgotten. And a lot of my friends actually came through for them as well, taking them places, doing things with them so that I could focus on Vincent. And also um, my church, my church was a biggest help for me because when Vincent was diagnosed, Colin was still too young to stay by himself. And my husband, which I can tell you about, my husband works four jobs. He works four jobs to try to um, help take care of us. He is never home. So one of the biggest things that I thought of, you know, as soon as I was told, what do I do about Colin, my other son? Vincent's in the hospital for days and weeks at a time. What do I do? We were able to get it to where my best friend was able to pick him up from daycare, the church actually called me and said, you know, we have after school program. And I'm like, that's great and all, but I can't afford that. Like I didn't have a job anymore. Like, how am I going to pay? You know, childcare is not cheap. We all know moms, we know childcare is not cheap, not at all. And they said, no, don't even worry about it. Don't, mm -mm. no, don't even worry about it. That was the very first time that I actually broke down you know, even from when it, when I heard, when the doctor told me that he was sick, I, I didn't cry. That weight being lifted to where I could finally focus. Don't just send a message saying, hey, I'm here. Do something. That was a game changer for me. How do you feel it's impacted your family? Oh, man. Um, well, through all of this, like I said, my husband, when my son was diagnosed, was not my husband at the time. And I just truly believe that he has been the biggest blessing in my life. Um, him stepping up to help me when, when all of this happened, he could have easily have just been like, see ya. And he wasn't, he, he stayed with me. He spent the night in the hospital so many nights. He took off work so many nights and, and just to help me. It does cause collateral damage as well. Um, his Vincent's younger brother, Colin, he now suffers uh, PTSD and also a, uh, it is called a DMDD, which is um, 
it is a mood dysregulation disorder to where basically he responds differently to in more um emphasis in a mood than what's required so if he gets mad he gets absolutely explosive if he gets sad it is like the most deepest depression you've ever seen and his doctors have said this is specifically from him having to be in the hospital with me having to witness what his brother is going through so there is definitely um collateral damage there and thank you for sharing that. I know it's hard to share, but we all need to hear and learn about it. We know that with better treatments, we can shorten those times in the hospital. We get our children to recovery and our loved ones to recovery faster. So I know you're an advocate for that. Uh, for our listeners and our viewers, how can people get more information about funding and about increasing and improving treatments are available? P the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation is a great resource. Um, there and they're a wonderful charity, St. Baldrick's. Um, the Kids Cancer Alliance actually provides summer camps and winter camps for um, children and siblings and the whole entire family to be able just to have some respite from the hospital. Those three are, were ones that were really helped. Alex's Lemonade Stand really works for cancer research. And for St. Baldrick's, you know, we do that every year. Um, I may end up doing that now since my hair is so short. Um, <laughs> it's the private charities that are really funding the children's research. I would also caution just be super careful with your big name ones. Look at their overhead. Look at their president's um, salaries. Look at what percentage of their money is actually going towards research. Because you'd be surprised that a lot of them, it's very little. So the ones that I've actually named are ones that they have like little to no overhead and they donate a lot of their money to actual research for our kids. Yeah, it's so hard for us to see these photos and these videos of these children who are suffering or someone who's battling cancer, no matter what the age is. But it's so important that we see these. Images. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And that's one of the things that I did on um, it's uh, Victory for Brave Vincent. Um, on Facebook. That's his his journey page. Um, I actually know uh, Karen. I met her when uh, Tenley was diagnosed. He was, she was diagnosed, I believe, about six weeks after Vincent. And when I saw that, I saw another local person who I knew, another mom who knew nothing about what was about to happen. And so I reached out to her through Facebook and, and we became really good friends through all this. And I, my heart breaks. I'm the one who's on the outside now you know, trying to be that person to help. I just call and I do think I check in I'm like, hey, what do you need? You know, my biggest thing with her was if we were in the hospital at the same time, um, I would always bring her a diet Mountain Dew. She would bring me a diet Dr. Pepper. Those were our, that was, that was, that was our little inside joke for each other because that's the first time I met her. Um, I asked her if she wanted to get coffee and she said, I don't really drink coffee. <laughs> So now I'm thinking I'm, maybe I should just send her a case of Mountain Diet Mountain Dew up there because in Cincinnati because I just I pray that that Tinley continues to do well um, and that this is that this is that this will help. Auburn, I just am so grateful for you and, and your willingness to share your story, and we'll continue to pray for your family and good health and. 
Um, just one thing I've, I've learned the last few months, in order to not just say thoughts and prayers, but like you said, to just do something. Um, my trick has been Papa John's has e-gift cards. So um, a really easy way to send something via email. You don't have to go anywhere since nobody's leaving the house right now still. Uh, you know, that's another just easy way. Think about gift cards and how you can um, support local businesses and making it easy. If you're not a chef, you sound like more of a chef than I am, but if you're not up for making dinner, you know, even just sending a gift card. So, um, cause those expenses just pile up when you have to look at all those meals and um, being able to take that weight off somebody. So, um, especially when, when you're in the hospital, uh, Vincent's big thing was when he finally started eating, he wanted old spaghetti factory spaghetti, not the cafeteria spaghetti. And then also he went through this, uh, through this thing. He would only eat cinnamon toast crunch. So I put that out on my page. He was eating like a box a day. I had people from all over the country sending me boxes of cinnamon toast crunch. I have so much cinnamon toast crunch in my house. I could probably feed him forever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. One final thing that I know we didn't touch on, donating blood. Kids need it. One of the big things with Tenley, Tenley has a special blood type that only a certain, a very small amount of people could donate for her. There are just national shortages all of the time. Please, please, please donate blood. Vincent has received over 12 blood transfusions. He's received uh, 10 platelet transfusions, and that would not have been possible without people who actually would donate, donate that life, because it's, it's basically the blood in his body. He's had so many transfusions, it's not even his. What's the name of Vincent's uh, Facebook page and social? at Victory for Brave Vincent. It's so important to get this message out. I appreciate your time today, Auburn and Megan. Thank you so much for having me. The Boss Lady Coaching Podcast is a traveling podcast, and we're all about for purpose influencing. If you like what you heard, please share it. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Boss Lady Coaching and find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at Boss Lady Coaching Podcast. You can also check out our website where we have free tools, books, a blog, and more. BeTheBossCoaching.com. The Boss Lady Coaching Podcast, copyright 2020.